Hello and welcome to Cardiac Radio Facebook page. I am starting an hour and 21 minutes later than normal. I figured I'd just still have uh, this on because we had uh, pretty bad computer problems and it's been solved, but so I figured I'd still do the Facebook Live and we'll see if any, you know, uh, who can who can watch us. So tonight is a very exciting uh, program because we're we've been talking about our last uh, Sunday's organization and hopefully we will be back on time on next Sunday. Also, I can tell everybody on Wednesdays we will have on Spiritism in the Spirit World around us. We shall have Wednesday nights also at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, all time zones around the world. We are talking about uh, another live stream. Oh, hi, Matthew. Yes, better late than never. Um, so tonight, again, we're on Cardiac Radio, I uh, Cardiac Radio Facebook page. I encourage everyone to download the Cardiac Radio app on your Android or iPhone. I think it'd be very helpful for you. And um, I just wanted to, to again, say that this is all brought to you about spiritism, codified by Alan Kardec in the 1850s. And just to let you know, I am going to be talking about on Wednesday nights, I've been starting to talk about his, his book, Heaven and Hell, which is very interesting stories uh, from uh, from actual spirits that they've talked to during their mediums meetings who, who've been, you know, the last Wednesday I talked about spirits that just left their body. And I will talk about more spirits as we go on from uh, on, on our Wednesday meeting. So it's very interesting information. A lot of people haven't read uh, Heaven and Hell. But tonight we are talking about reincarnation. And the interesting thing about reincarnation is I've been going through my book, uh, The Case for Reincarnation. I'll put this book up here so you can see which one I'm talking about. And I've been going through a chapter. I've been kind of summarizing the chapters and, and letting you know, you know what they are about. But, as, as part of the case for incarnation, I'm going through uh, past lives of people. And a very interesting, which I think that is the past life of Camino Bronco. And I got this information from the book and I recommend, this is really one of the most fantastic books I think anyone have seen. And that is by Yvonne Piera, Memoirs of a Suicide. And it is, she's the medium and she, you know, Chico, when Chico sacrificed books, there was there were spirits around her, right, channeling through, and he, you know, he was writing, you know, dictating what they were telling him. Yvonne Piera did it differently. She she was actually almost brought into this world, and she recorded what she saw. She recorded when she was talking to uh, the spirit, and she started talking to the spirit, Camilo Bronco. And the funny thing is, she organized, she just talked to him and she wrote down all these things, but she hadn't really organized a book. Now, I've talked about before uh, Leon Denis, who was, uh, has written a lot of good books. And I go, I'll go through his books uh, at one point in time, too. But Leon Denis had passed away. And it was like only like, oh, I don't remember how long, five or ten years after he passed away, he showed up in spirit with Yvonne Pierre and said, I will help you organize this book. So you can write this book on Camilo Bronco. And Camilo Bronco was one heck of a person. And let me get to where 
So, and I go through this, his, his name is Camilo Castello Bronco. And I, I like to introduce this by saying that the fact that we reincarnate means that all of us has had past lives. Therefore, to understand the reasons we reincarnate in different situations, it's beneficial to analyze the past lives of others. So we may determine why some people have the arc of their lives that were given to them. One, the subject I picked tonight is Camilo Branco, who was a famous Portuguese author who lived in Portugal in the 19th century. He committed suicide in 1890. Communicating, as I said before, with Yvonne Pierre, Camilo told his story. And part of his narrative is the history of his past lives. Camilo was one of the hecklers as Jesus struggled by carrying the cross on the way to be crucified. So again, uh, if you want to buy this book, you can either find it on Amazon, of course, I'll look up Memoirs of a Suicide, Yvonne Piera, or you can click on Alan Kardec's picture on my webs, uh, my blog, nwspiritism.com, it's right here in my name. Click on that picture, take you to EDI's CEI bookstore, and you'll find books by Yvonne Piera. She's had one of the books she has it's been translated into English. Uh, I wish more of her books were translated into English. They're just fascinating. So let's go about Camilo Castelo Bronco. Now, he wasn't just an ordinary suicide. He was a commanding figure in Portugal's liter literary scene in the 1800s. He was known as the Portuguese Balzac and was awarded the title of Viscount of Correa Botelho. He was in despair over his son's insanity and his own ailments, which would certainly lead to blindness. And he ended his life in the 1890s. Now, this is one thing I love to do. When I read these books and I see a name, I just start, okay, I go right to, I go right to the internet and look and see what I can find about that person. So this is what was on the internet about Camilo Castelo Bronco. This is what they said. They said, Camilo produced over 260 works, ranging from essays, plays, romantic fiction to nonfiction. His writing is considered original in that it combines the dramatic and sentimental parts of romanticism with highly personal combination of sarcasm, bitterness, and dark humor, which I saw all in this book. You can, you can see. He is also celebrated for peculiar Okay, pronounce that because I'm starting later, and ended wit and anecdotal character, as well as his turbulent and ultimately tragic life. So ordinarily, this is where the story would end. Camilo would live in our memories only for as long as his books didn't actually deteriorate, or if the internet failed to archive his life, but in some remote corner, right, where only the most dedicated researcher would discover any mention of him. However, Camilo inspired the medium, Yvonne Piera, to write about his life after physical death. In his afterlife biography in the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, we are taken from the moment Camilo kills himself to years later when he is preparing to re-enter our physical world. Uh, excuse me. To subject himself to the required trials, to pay for his wrongs, and to learn the lessons so he may improve his immortal spirit. And the first paragraph of the book takes you to the place reserved for suicides. This is what it says. It was the month of January 1891 when I found myself being held in an area of the invisible world. Its desolate, 
The landscape was comprised of deep valleys that were continuously enveloped in shadowy darkness. Within its winding gorges and sinister caves, spirits that used to be men and women on the earth held like hordes of infuriated demons, demented by the absolutely inconceivable intensity and strangeness of the sufferings that tormented them. So, I'm not going to tell you the whole the whole story. I'm just... I just want to go through what his past lives were so you can understand some of his past lives. So only when his natural years of living ended is Camille taken out of that horrid, horrid landscape up to the Mary of Nazareth Hospital. The latter is a spirit colony reserved for suicides, men and women to recuperate after their ordeal and to learn about their obligations according to their sacred mission, to fully live out the life about their, that they had chosen beforehand. And running from cowardice, from one's assigned tribulations in the physical life, results in severe penalties. As part of his rehabilitation, Camilo must learn what brought him to his decision to escape his ailments and why he was given the sufferings that he should have endured with dignity. So, and again, as, as I've said before, Remember, and, and this is why this book is so good. They tell they tell all these suicides, look, they say, if you just waited, you know, God in the spirit world, Jesus doesn't create, you know, trials for you that that will go on forever, right? If you had waited a week, a month, you know, five months, nine months, it would have resolved itself down. Some people who may have really bad sickness can resolve itself in death, but you've learned a lesson and at least you're over the pain. But it resolves itself. That's why we are given time in this physical world because it forces us to move forward. So his first life was in 30, this takes place in 33 AD. So for Camilo to understand why he was destined to be blind in old age. Okay, so remember this. This is. This is, you know, first he was depressed, his son killed himself, and then he was, because of syphilis, he was going to go blind in old age. There was a lot of, right, in those days, uh, syphilis hurt quite a few people. So, we all know, people listen to, oh, hello, Dania. We all know that there's, there's a reason for everything that happens to us. For every action, there is a reaction. And therefore, our lives are finally orchestrated to test and uplift us, as well as hammer out with our head upon the anvil sometimes the bad habits and intentions that we have carried on for too long. As part of his preparation for a fruitful return to physical body, Camilo was taken to a classroom amphitheater where he is strapped into a device. He's strapped into a device that would take him back to his past. This is not merely witnessing a picture on the screen, but a complete four-dimensional experience where he and his fellow classmates were inside his preceding lives. He was nervous for all of his previous students had revealed crimes and failures to be ashamed of for several lifetimes. Now, now I'll give you, this is a little bit of how he begins the narrative, and I'll read part of it because he's just, just a good writer. Goes, I went back to the year 33 AD. However, I was not only remembering it, I was actually living in that time period exactly as before. The holy city of the Jews, Jerusalem, was experiencing feverish events on that hot, sunny morning. 
I felt possessed by a diabolical happiness as I walked through the streets packed with foreigners, inciting riots, encouraging fights, spreading disquieting gossip, promoting disorder. It was the feast day of Calvary, and it was known that a certain revolutionary named Jesus of Nazareth had been condemned by the authorities of Rome to die on the cross, along with two other criminals. So, Camilo in his book says he knew, you could just tell when he was strapped in his chair, that his previous life, he was a wretched person, poor and evil. He lived off discarded clothes and food of others. His greatest pleasure was to witness misfortune of any kind, drunks, fights, and torture. He found himself following Jesus so he could witness pain and suffering. So this is what he goes, I'll, I'll give you another sample. Fierce in my obstinacy, I follow him on his delorious climb, yelling offenses and vile scorn. And I must confess that the only reason I do not strike him with stones with the violence of my murderous arm is because he's so closely guarded by the Roman soldiers. The truth is that I've always felt myself to be inferior and belittled everywhere I go. I feel envy and hatred towards everything that actually is or that I believe to be superior to me. Ugly, disheveled, ignoble, deformed, I had only one arm. Degraded, ambitious, the stuff of pure evil dripped from my heart. So, now wait. It gets worse. In the book, he notices Mary the mother of Jesus, and yells out insults and sarcastic remarks to her. Anything to hurt everyone around him. A man with one arm, for what offense he lost an arm, we don't know. We'd never find that out. But he was on a mission to equally harm the world. A man who was rescued from the Valley of the Suicides by the, by the organization of the very woman he abused more than 1,800 years earlier. I can't imagine the nightmare of discovering his deeds I, I just you know i can only contemplate and fear what horrible crimes i must have committed in some previous wretched life for all of us are on the path to become better which means that in the past we've made choices that we would you know certainly scorn and disapprove of today so after witnessing the death of christ camilla went on to take part in the stoning of stephan or stephen as some people call him he readily assisted the Sahandrin to ferret out Christians. Then he discovered this. He said, this is what he wrote. In fact, I was not even a son of Israel. I had come from far away, an adventure and disbeliever from distant Gaul. I had fled my own tribe where I had been condemned to death, death for the double crime of murder and treason to my homeland, having arrived in Judea by chance in the last months of the Lord's ministry. So his life during the time of Christ was one of constant strife caused by his own defective character. He did not experience any redeeming act by living his nightmare of impiety. So what was his next life? His next life. So he was still strapped in this chair and they, they showed him. And, and now they showed him this whole thing in front of all of his friends who's he seen their past lives. And I go on some of their past lives. I'll talk about those later on uh, in subsequent uh, uh, our, our meetings, our Facebook live streaming. So his next past life is in the 17th century in Spain. So he kind of experienced life after life, centuries of trials. He was always a base person without moral guidance. His only wish was to gain wealth and pleasure. Boy, I've heard that. I've heard that about me. Is that 
My only wish was to gain wealth. Sometimes he would climb high on the social ladder, but the expected improvement in his spiritual state never materialized. Hence, whenever he climbed high, he felt further each time his wrongs were discovered. His lives were always located in the regions of France or Spain. In between lives, he would learn about the spiritual principles that would be presented to the world in the form of the doctrine of spiritism in the 1850s. Camille desired the progression of the state of his soul. He knew that he should learn how to be charitable, loving, unselfish, and fraternal. But his motivations for adapting these attributes were in the expectation that he could use them to appear good while accumulating more riches and other advantages all for his use. So finally, in the 17th century, still stuck in his chair, he found himself in a confused state in a dark dungeon, and slowly the fog lifted and his life became apparent. This is what he said about this life. I was born into an old family of bankrupt nobles, who at the time were besieged by insurmountable adversities, such as political and re religious rivalries, as well as disagreements with the crown. In my early youth, I was illiterate, fraught by hard toil in the fields. I tended sheep and tilled the soil like a wretched serf, dividing myself among multiple tasks under the severe eye, severe eye of my father, a cruel provincial nobleman, whose unrestrained religious pride, inspired by the ideas of the Reformation, has disgraced him before the king. So, Camille was born in Toledo, in Spain, in adverse conditions, but still with the prospects because of his noble birth. Camille was once again provided a chance to rise above his past, ambitious even at his young age. Camille was able to enlist the aid of the parish priest to educate him. As he grew older, he became fixated on the idea of marriage and surveyed the woman in his circle of acquaintances. He focused on his mother's niece. This is what he said about her. Her name was Maria Magna. She was slender and beautiful and had black, fragrant waist length braided hair, along with languid and seductive eyes. Like me, she was the daughter of bankrupt nobles, but thanks to her parents' thoughtfulness, she had the advantage of having acquired a good domestic and social education. So what happened, though, is a more prosperous rival appeared. Camila was left alone and bitter. As his past character would react, so would his present. In the deepest part of his mind, he thirsted for revenge. He showed no hint of understanding that Maria may have loved another or that the wishes of her parents influenced her decision, just a primitive urge to strike back at the cause of his pain. Hence, he swore eternal revenge against his love, Maria, and her new husband, Jacinto de Ornelas. So from then on, he eliminated the thought of marriage from his mind and concentrated his immense energy on the means to better his station. He thus pursued a social plateau where he could enjoy power over the objects of his scorn, supremacy enough to humiliate and destroy the unsuspecting couple. Now, the spirit world attempted to guide Camilo back onto the path of self-improvement. This is what he said. Now, this is something we all need to, to hear this because he was, you know, after being scorned, he, you know, his whole plan was to get revenge, right? But this is how the spirit was trying to tell him not to do this. This is what he wrote. I dreamed night after night that my old father, as well as other deceased friends, had returned from the grave to advise me to give up on my plans for the future. Instead, I should marry one of my childhood friends, 
a decision that would be the surest path to peace of mind and true happiness. So right there, the spirit world does not want us to fail. We are watched with the loving kindness of a true mother and father. Their affection rains down upon us. This is why we have a conscience, right? Although we temporarily lose the conscious recollection of our memories from past lives when we are reborn, we retain two vital signal posts, right? The first is our conscience, our accumulated moral learning from all of our past lives, which serves to govern us in our daily decisions. When we reflect on an action, our conscience provides us feedback. We must listen to that advice and heed it for within us, for we have centuries of stored wisdom. Our instincts are the second guide rail that have been betrothed to us in our current life. Multiple life experiences and countless sets of circumstances have toned our instincts, whereby we are given the gift to recognize the potentially adverse or positive significance of any situation. The death of his father allowed Camilo to discover his road to revenge. He joined, though, instead of listening to his dreams, he kept on his, you know, completely ridiculous, as I've talked before, you let this, if you, if someone's wronged you, you let the spirit world take care of that, right? They know better how to, how to help that person ascend and learn that lesson, not you. But he went on that road. He joined the Society of Jesus, which was, you know, as we all know, is, is, is the, uh, which is part of the Jesuits, which spearheads the infamous Spanish Inquisition, right? So, he ignored, you know, and when he, where he, you know, in the society of Jesus, he received a sterling education. He ignored the true, the people of truly dedicated servants of Jesus when it's within the ranks, and he sought out who could help him in the organization. That's where he found the Jesuits in the Spanish Inquisition, and they welcomed young lieutenants who did not hesitate to attest to arrest innocents, partake in slander, torture victims when ordered. He describes his fanaticism. And, and, and of course, I may describe this, and I'll tell you my own, my own thoughts about this. I would have turned in my own father. Such was the madness that took hold of me. I would have dragged him before the tribunal as the agent of reformation if he had not surrendered his soul to the creator, thanks to the mercy of heaven. However, I did not do all that to give vent to my own evilness. My intent was only to serve my superiors, to exalt the Jesuit calls, to prove the unending dedication and unconditional gratitude my passionate soul could muster for all the support they've given me. I myself had become a victim of that very institution because in recognizing my submission for the favors I had received, my superiors took advantage of my sentiments and induced me to commit abominable crimes certain as they were that I would be an incapable of betrayal. So he worked his way up among the ranks of the Jesuits for 15 years. Now, when you read that, when he, when they said, you know, he would do anything for him, he'd do anything, you know, so he, he could, you know, he, he could better himself. It's amazing. When I was going through the internet boom, this was in the late uh, uh, 1990s, right? And I was in uh, consulting for companies. And that's when I, the realization finally hit me that I didn't want to be in management anymore because when, and I went, became a consultant and I even saw it worse is that, you know, people, you know, again, they, you know, they probably sell their own mother to get their stock to go up an extra dollar. It was amazing what greed did to you. They, they would do anything to become rich. 
and it just affected me in such a strange way that I, I just, you know, just felt horrible and just seeing this fraud amongst the, you know, these, you know, supposed to be, uh, you know, well-known financial analysts. And, you know, they were just hyping garbage, you know, along with everybody else. I remember I was at, uh, this is back in the late 1900s, uh, uh, 1990s. And I thought this meeting, and I was consulting with this company, and they were they were they were they were uh, saying they were advertising this vaporware. Now vaporware is when software that you just talk about, but it's not really there. And I said, how can they do that? They haven't even done it. It's not even finished yet. And then this other guy, then this next guy came up and goes, yeah, we're already communicating with their vaporware. Right? Well, he didn't say vaporware. We're already communicating. And this consultant, this other consultant who was you know, working with them and he and I looked at each other and we go, oh, you know, it was just, it was all total fabrication. Anyway, that's my own little story. Uh, not very interesting, but that I've seen that. I've seen that uh, just complete disregard for honesty and just the pursuit of money. It's, it's uh, it, believe me, it's not worth it. So let's go back to communities. Much more interesting than my stories. So he worked his way up among the ranks of the Jesuits for 15 years until one day he discovered that the husband of his love, Maria, had returned from duty in Holland. Her husband's name was Jacinto, and Jacinto arrived back in Spain with great honors, and Camilo sent his spies to watch every movement of the couple. Maria and Jacinto had a good marriage with children. They were very much in love, and Maria was known for her impeccable virtues. Trying to worm his way into a renewal of passion with Maria, he met her at the church he visited every week. Then he started to frequent her house. He praised, flattered, and implored her for affection. She resisted at every turn. Even her husband noticed his intention. But against a member of the dreaded Spanish Inquisition, he was powerless to stop Camilo's advances. Besides, Jacinto knew his leanings towards the Reformation he witnessed in Holland could be a lever to destroy his life and forever affect the lives of his children. Jacinto prepared to leave Madrid for safety, but Camilo found out and turned Jacinto over to the authorities on suspicion of being a Huguenot, which is a member of the French Protestant Reformed Church. Camilo successfully fabricated evidence to convict convict Jacinto and requested that Jacinto be handed over to him. Jacinto's tortures by Camilo are recorded thusly. I'll read what he said. I had his fingernails and his teeth yanked out, his fingers and wrists disjointed, the soles of his feet slowly, patiently burned with red-hot blades. I had him flogged until his flesh shredded, and all of all of it under the pretext of saving him from hell for being apostatized, forcing him to make confessions of supposed conspiracies against the church under whose name I took shelter for such vile acts. Amazing. So knowing the cause of her husband's incarceration, Maria went to plead with Camila to release her husband. Camila forced Maria to give in to all of his wishes. While Maria did all that Camila demanded, he could see the disaid the disdain in his eyes. Therefore, eventually he got tired of using her, right? He got tired of his malicious game. So he decided to return her husband to her. However, Camille had one more horrible deed to accomplish. This is what he wrote. 
Maria had pleaded for life and the freedom of her husband, and I had promised to concede them. But she had forgotten to ask me to return them intact without mutilations. Therefore, I had his eyes gouged out with a red-hot iron, thus barbarically disfiguring him, forever plunging him into the darkness of indescribable torment. I never even dreamed that there was an almighty God following from the height of his justice my abominable act, which I archived in the folds of my conscience, as if reflected in a mirror, in order to accuse me and demand unappealable atonement through the centuries. I mean, so remember, Camilo Bronco, his punishment for, for this, and who knows how many other people he tortured, was to lose his eyesight through sickness at an old age. That, I mean, so when, you know, we talk about karma, the spirit world is really nice to us in many, many instances. So let me keep finishing. So think about that. So two months after being released, Yoshinto, using a knife, he asked his five-year-old son to fetch him, committed suicide. So after that, finally realizing the extent of his crimes, Camilo could not sleep. He suffered from incessant nightmares and could no longer carry out the orders of his superiors. Subsequently, falling out of favor, he was imprisoned for life by the same institution that he had been so dedicated in carrying out their diabolical commands. He died alone in his cell, full of regrets. So at this point in his spiritual interrogation, remember all this he's realizing with all of his buddies, right, his friends, suicide friends, into this amphitheater. Yeah, he finally realized why he was destined for blindness in his last life. He knew that he was meant to face the same dread and hopelessness that his innocent victim felt 300 years earlier. Even worse was that he didn't have the courage to face it. Instead, he weakened and sought immediately to escape his intended misfortune. Camilo now understood that it wasn't divine providence that determined that he was to be blind in his old age, but himself. His action, oh, hello, Jacob. His actions had consequences, and between physical lives, he determined the trials and the lessons he should have lived through. He leaves us with this thought. The truth is that it was my situation of my own creation caused by my own wrongs and defects down through the ages. So past lives are important to us. Even though we may not recall well in what they were, we can, by analyzing the trials, obstacles, and events of our present life, infer what we must repair and learn in this life. We must never be deterred in finishing our assigned task. The harsher our trials, the more we have to learn from them, and we should be grateful for the opportunity to recover our moral debts and resume stepping up the ladder of the purification of souls. So again, you can read this story and more of what I have in my uh, book, The Case for Reincarnation. I'll put this up again. So I, I you know, this, I go through how re reincarnation starts, what the process is, how you, with your spirit mentors, decide how to plan your life uh, and give you examples of other past lives. I, I uh, present this I mean, uh, this information you can read through the Spirits book and uh, books by, of course, Yvonne Pierre, the members of the suicide. 
and other books by Chico Xavier. But what I try to do in this book, I try to take everything that I've read in any books around reincarnation through spiritist mediums in English and kind of go a step by step. What is the process? How does the process work? How does it affect you? To really explain what is reincarnation, how it works, what it means to us. So I'm hoping this will be a, as of use to you. I want to tell you, please share this video. Share this video with uh, others on other Facebook page. I will post this video on YouTube and BitChute. Please uh, subscribe. Tell your friends. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please share this uh, video on YouTube. It helps the algorithm so we can get as many people to, to get a little taste of spiritism as possible and uh, tell your friends if that is what you want to do don't be overbearing just put information on the table and say here's some information you may be interested you know i want to say everyone thank you for being with me tonight and i will see you next sunday on kardec radio facebook page but i'll also see you on wednesday on the Facebook page, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. And I'll see you then at 8 o'clock. Good night. <laughs>